Welcome to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. In this special five-part series, we take a look at the book recently released by General Stanley McChrystal, Jeff Eggers, and Jason Mangone, entitled Leaders, Myths, and Reality. But first, a word from our sponsor. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? With the expansion of the Compliance Podcast Network, I am looking for a new podcast. If you've wondered how to get going on a podcast, a word from our sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this special podcast series, Richard Lummis and I take a look at leadership styles from General McChrystal's book. They include the founders, Walt Disney and Coco Chanel, the geniuses, Albert Einstein and Leonard Bernstein, the heroes, Jean He and Harriet Tubman, the power brokers, Boss Tweed and Margaret Thatcher, and the reformers, Martin Luther and Martin Luther King Jr. In this episode one, we take a look at the founders, Walt Disney and Coco Chanel. 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast about leadership. It's Richard Lomas. I'm here with Tom Fox for another discussion on how to prove our leadership skills. We believe leadership is a skill that can be improved with studying both good and bad practices, and we try to draw some interesting examples from many sources, including history, fiction, film, and business writing. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Richard. Today and for the next several episodes, we're going to discuss a book written by uh, General Stanley McChrystal titled Leaders, Myth, and Reality. I thought the structure of the book was really interesting and in that he uses pairs of uh, leaders in order to display different styles or aspects of leadership. And he says this is not a how-to checklist. It's just something to sort of think about. And, and I would agree with that. Uh, as a quick digression, uh, that style of writing of pairing two leaders came from Plutarch. And I got so um, uh, motivated, I went to the bookstore to, to buy a copy of Plutarch's Lives. And Gene actually had one, and then I looked at it. Uh-huh. And I thought, maybe uh, I'll save that one. <laughs> uh, it's quite a hefty tome, uh, and it's written in a different style. Yes. Uh, but uh, I thought the, the style McChrystal used uh, worked. Um, I would also like to acknowledge his co-authors, Jeff Eggers and Jason Mangon. Um, but the, um, the pairing I thought really worked, Richard. He gave a long discussion, uh, basically a lengthy es- essay on each pair uh, for the concept he was trying to get across. And then at the end, he uh, uh, con- uh, compared and-, and contrasted occasionally their leadership styles and perhaps what lessons we could take away. And, and to your point, Really, what to think about? Yeah. Well, the first one we're going to discuss is, is based on founders, which is kind of an interesting way to look at it. The um, and the, the examples he uses are Walt Disney and Coco Chanel. Uh, I actually probably knew more about Coco Chanel than I did about Walt Disney, which is interesting. But um, but certainly, I knew very little about either one. Well, I knew uh, a fair amount about Walt Disney. I'd read uh, a couple of biographies, and I got interested in uh, what happened to the Disney kingdom after uh, Walt died and the um, uh, 
business aspects of the takeover and and uh, uh, business wars over the soul of Disney. But um, they were in the chapter entitled The Founders, and uh, they both had uh, creativity and they had obsessive perfectionism. Uh, the most salient examples for me was Walt Disney was a, uh, had grown up in the Midwest and uh, born in the early part of last century. He uh, loved railroads, and he created a, a fake railroad from uh, his place of work uh, to his estate. Uh, and he uh, was obsessive down to every detail, down to the detail of the uh, fake newspapers he put in uh, for fake writers. Uh, Coco Chanel, early in her career, after she developed... Uh, Chanel Number no. Five, but before it became the ubiquitous product that it is now, I was not aware Chanel Number no. Five uh, was developed uh, just immediately after World War One. Um, uh, as customers would come in her store, they uh, would notice a certain mist, and it was Chanel Number no. Five, and she was spraying it on them as a marketing uh, tool. Um, he points out that they uh, they were at the right place at the right time. Uh, they are what we might today call entre- might call entrepreneurs, but McChrystal's point and his co-authors were that they took advantage of opportunity when it knocked. Um, they did not, um, they were not lone geniuses. That was not the point. But they were also not the garage geniuses who developed, uh, 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 or Walt Disney developing Snow White as a movie product in a garage. It was literally the product of 10 years of work. Uh, it started with Steamboat Willie. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the skeleton dances, but that's an early precursor. Uh, I watched those uh, after reading this book. uh, Two series I was not aware of, Frolicking Fishes and Flowers and Trees, which was actually the first Technicolor cartoon. That all led to Snow White, and that was a period of 10 years. Coco Chanel actually started with her work on perfuming prior to World War I, and it uh, was stopped because of the war. But she was able to pick it back up, and then she went into clothing to complement her um, her uh, perfume uh, business. So uh, they both worked very hard. There was a, a long ramp up period till they had their breakthrough successes. Uh, and were they at the right uh, place at the right time? Yes, but they took advantage of those opportunities. And then finally, uh, at the end of their um, careers. Uh, or near the ends of their careers, they really had to make a decision on what McChrystal called the founder's dilemma. Do you manage your business or do you continue to create? Um, I was aware of some of the labor issues in Hollywood in the 30s and 40s. Later, it came out that uh, some union members were communists, and that led to issues around the blacklisting and and perhaps some other uh, political issues. But Walt Disney, uh, after uh, some significant labor problems at Disney, um, moved into back into the creative side. Uh, Coco Chanel actually sold her business uh, to partners uh, and was paid on a license basis um, or a royalty basis. And they both uh, worked to create. And then the final point, which uh, seemed to me to be uh, the most personal to McChrystal as a former four-star general, uh, is the following question. Is the most important thing the mission, or is the most important thing your people? Uh, And that's a a dynamic tension that always exists. It exists in the military, obviously, but it exists in business. And um, 
I guess what I drew from these two, Richard, was that certainly you can manage both, but that if you manage for the mission, that that may well more motivate people. Uh, there are going to be some people that perhaps want to be treated better or uh, something like that. But if you really focus on the mission and you treat people fairly, that in and of itself will motivate people and will make them want to work harder. And one of the things that was consistent with both Coco Chanel and Walt Disney's workforce is you had people that were, uh, if not slavishly dis, uh, devoted to him, uh, they were very devoted to both of them. Uh, and they... Um, they realized that this was the greatest learning class and apprenticeship they could go through in, in their business if they wanted to do some, go out on their own or do something different. So uh, is it the mission of the people? And, and, you know, I'm not sure we've really ever focused on that particular issue. Uh, we have talked about the founder's dilemma, I think, in the context of this podcast series. But the, is it the mission or people? So, um, and as you noted in your introduction, he did not provide an answer to this. He provided questions for us to consider going forward. Well, I don't think there is an answer. And to the extent we've ever touched on this, I think we've always focused on the importance of treating people well. Um, and so sort of implicitly, I would have said that it's more important to focus on the people. But I think when you look at these two, I have to question that. Uh, I think you may be right that the mission focus is more appropriate in certain circumstances. If I might take it in a little bit different direction to sort of move us towards the end, um, as you know, I was an uh, attorney at Halliburton, and Halliburton routinely treated their employees very poorly. <laughs> I mean, the joke was they would treat you just bad enough to the point before you would quit. Having said that, I felt like that for every year I was at Halliburton, it was three years worth of work. And uh, it was simply because they didn't throw you in the deep end. They helicoptered you to the middle of the Atlantic and dropped you in and said, call us if you need us, but really don't call us. And so if you could take on that work and you could master this craft they were asking you to be an artisan for, uh, the learning opportunities were incredible. The opportunity to work with uh, senior management as someone who could get something done were uh, incredible. And when I came out of that experience after three years, it was literally like a 10-year apprenticeship in a corporate legal department. So if you can see uh, uh, even a difficult place to work, if it still provides that type of mission opportunity, uh, perhaps that's some value. I realize it's difficult to see when you're in the middle of it, but uh, I see how both can can help people. Yeah. Well, I guess the other thing that, that struck me was that the um, these people really were obsessive. <laughs> that, that's that's what it takes, I think, and, and uh, to be these creative. Uh, that, All right. Well, till next time, uh, we'll be discussing uh, more of Mr. McChrystal's book. And uh, this is Tom Fox and Richard Lummis for uh, Twelve O'clock High. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Twelve O'clock High, a podcast on business leadership. I hope you'll join Richard Lummis and myself again, where we take a look at another set of leaders from the recent book by General Stanley McChrystal and his co-authors and take a consideration of how they can help you in your leadership for business going forward. 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.